Before I get started, hey Bob, I wanna ask you if you'll turn the side lights off. I wanna watch this video real quick before we get in to today's message. Do you have that, uh, Bobby? That first video, please. Thank you, Jesus. Tell me, why did Christ have to die on a cross? I guess for all our sins. What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. It's like, ah, I can't. <laughs> you don't yeah, I don't know for now, you know. But I go to church every Sunday still. <laughs> yeah. Tell me why the cross is significant to Christianity. I think because it's where, uh, I say supposedly, because I'm not a uh, firm believer in the whole deal. I think it's because uh, that's where Jesus Christ was, uh, his last minutes where we were there, supposed to symbolize what he, I guess he gave for you and I, whatever. Um, well, I really wouldn't be in a position to answer that because I'm not Christian, so I really wouldn't know why it would be important to Christians, but I would assume that it would be symbolic of his love for, for people and his love for God. Tell me why the cross is significant to Christianity. Because um, according to Christianity, Jesus is the Savior, so that's where he was supposedly murdered, so that would be the focal point of where the Savior died. Tell me why the cross is significant to Christianity. Honestly, I don't know. They believe that we shouldn't have, what's the word, idols, and yet they build these things after God. You know, I read in the Bible that God doesn't want us to have idols or stuff like that, and I just see that as hypocrisy. I'm not really big on religion, honestly. How does Christ dying on a cross save us from our sins? To be honest, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why. It, I don't know why he, you know, what that would, that would have to do with saving us. But. If you believe in it, then as a person, it'll strengthen you to want to do what the Bible says and try and make you live your life in accord with those standards. And if you live with those standards, then you'll probably be a better off person. Why did he die on the cross? To save, uh, save the souls of, of people. He, he uh, kill him right here. Kill him right here. It symbolizes what he went through over the course of his lifetime. Um, he was resurrected, and um, I know that's why we—that's why I believe in Jesus and God, and uh, that's why I'm a good Catholic, I guess. Why is the cross important in Christianity? Well, I would guess because Christ was killed on one. I mean, I respect the fact that it's an important symbol of belief for others, and I do think it's a symbol that holds a great deal of power. But uh, personally, I'm not sure how much it means to me at this point in my life. Tell me why the cross is significant to Christianity. Why the cross? I mean, that's just the number one symbol. I mean, that's why he was. That's how, how he what he died on, and I mean, it's just when you think of Christianity, you think of. Jesus dying on the cross. A lot of people have a sense of hope, at least. I mean, because of the promises that he made. So at least that's something. There's something for everyone to uh, believe in. That he was there, that he rose, that he was something important to people. Tell me why the cross is so significant to Christianity. Well, it's where Jesus was crucified, so... For Christianity, it symbolizes that you can be saved because Jesus died for your sins. Okay. <laughs> Tell me why the cross is significant to Christianity. You wouldn't have salvation without the cross. Okay. What do you mean by that? 
Well, the cross symbolizes the blood of Christ. All right, you have to have that in order to wash away the sins and transgressions of mankind. The cross is where it all begins because Christ uh, lived, he loved, he laughed, he cried, he ate, he slept, he died. He rose in three days with all power, but he had to go to the cross for all of that to, to transpire so that we have life and we can have it more abundantly. So there's no other way but the cross. There's no other way but the cross. There's no other way but the cross. So I want to start a series today just for the next couple of weeks called The Power of the Cross. Because as you can see, a lot of people, and, and even in the church world today, they, we don't understand what the real power of the cross is, uh, what it means to us, what, what it actually uh, holds for our, for our reality and for what we've been going through. We live in a, uh, in, in a society of skeptics anyhow. Everybody's skeptical of something, you know? Uh, so we're skeptical of what's on the news. We're skeptical of what comes here. We're skeptical of that. And so how do we solve that problem in a world of skeptics anyhow? And, and people say, well, the, what's the whole point of the cross? Well, the point of the cross is good news. Yeah. Bottom line, if, if I, we take out everything else, the cross is good news. People say, well, how can a cross be good news? How can a cross where somebody bled, somebody died, somebody went through all this, how can that be good news? Because it's the ultimate victory for us. And even with the ugliest side of humanity doing the work, God still used that to walk out something that he had already settled before we were ever walked the face of the earth. That'll, that'll blow your mind when you think about it. The cross was just the reality of what God had already done. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews, no, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, <clears throat> and I'm reading now the expanded version. He says, he said, let us keep our eyes on Jesus, the founder, the leader, and the prince of our faith. If you're reading King James, it says, uh, the, putting Jesus in the forefront who is the author and the finisher. That word author actually means those words right there. That word author means the founder, the leader, and the prince of our faith. So when it comes to even faith and our faith in the cross begin, remember it begins with Jesus. Your faith begins with Jesus. Ah, glory. And he says, and he who makes it perfect by finishing and completing it. See, the cross is important because the plan of God's already been completed. And it's that symbol that God's plan for humanity has already been done. Oh, we're going to get there. He suffered and endured the cross, accepting, I love this way it says this, accepting the shame as if it were nothing because of the joy that God lay ahead of him. King James Version says despising the shame. That despising means he accepted the shame. So in the, in the long term, when Jesus returned back to the Father, and he says, and, they, and people ask, do you remember? He said, oh, that was nothing compared to what I got. He said, for the joy. See, we were the joy that was set before him. The, for the joy, for you and I, the joy of bringing us into the family, the joy, the joy of knowing that there is complete reconciliation between us and God now. He said, for that joy, that was nothing. Mm. He said, and despising and, and accepting the shame as if it were nothing that God lay ahead of him, for the joy that God lay ahead of him, he is now seated at the right hand of God. God's throne. Folks, you got to understand what drove Jesus to the cross was simply love and joy. Yeah, but you know, in the garden he prayed. Well, yeah, the natural side of him said, who wants to, who wants to go through that mess? You know, who wants to die? Who wants to go? But you know what he said? He said, but yet for joy's sake, for the joy that it's going to bring me, I'll go through this. That's why he said, Father, it's not my will, but yours are done. So what drove Jesus to the cross was love and joy. It wasn't this idea that he had to satisfy God. Well, let's, let's, let's pay God's price. Remember, we read and we studied in Isaiah 53 a few weeks ago. It says, when it was us who despised, who planned up that mess. We're going to look at some other stuff too. 
And so when Jesus got on the cross today, uh, and he, uh, in John, he said, it's finished. He was talking about more than just our sin. The plan was finished, Ted. The whole plan that had been set up before the foundation of the world. You know, the Bible calls Jesus the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. So from the very beginning, in God's mind, this was already settled. This is already done. And so he was just playing this thing out for our benefit. And the cross has become a central symbol to us because it's the freedom of grace. From the dawn of time, from before the foundation of the world, it was the symbol that was going to bring us through. The cross is so large that it cast a shadow on our past, on our present, and in our future. You see, we've got to remember there's safety in the cross, in its shadow. There's healing in its shadow, and there's prosperity in the shadow of the cross. And that's what we're going to look at today is the shadow of a cross. It's living in the shadow of the cross. And what does that mean? We are going to look at a lot of Old Testament today. And usually in churches today, when you hear, oh, they're going to look at the Old Testament, people's eyes start rolling back their head. And then us... uh, Heavy grace drinkers start saying, no, we don't have to live by that Old Testament stuff. (laughs) But we forget there's so much to learn because we're looking at, we're trying to look at the Old Covenant without the shadow of the cross on it. Mm. We're taking a flashlight trying to dispel the shadow of the cross on the Old Covenant. So the first thing, how many of you know that in a couple weeks here, we're going to have, we're going to clear this stuff out. We're going to have a Seder dinner here. Anybody ever been to a Seder dinner? Well, it's, it's the Jewish Passover. Uh, there's still some spots to sign up on the information booth if you want to sign up for it. Uh, but it's, it's the Jewish Passover. And I began to think about it. I wonder if we would look at the Jewish Passover. At Passover, if you're coming, how many already signed up to come? Praise God. Uh, I know we've got some guests from out of town that's coming. Sign up. But when we do this... I want us to remember the cross from this way. You see, because it, it's, it's a Passover meal. It's what the Jews uh, would do in remembrance of what happened to them when they came out of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 12. See, we're going to look at this with the shadow of the cross. In Exodus 12 verse 5, he says, Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. And you may take it from the sheep or the goats. We'll, we'll read that. Go on to verse 6. Because I want to come back to that. He said, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and on the lintel of the houses which they ate. And the reason why they did this was because the death angel was coming through Egypt and, and this was the instructions that if the blood was applied, that the death angel would pass over the house. But you see, all this does, it foreshadows Jesus. This is not to say, look how awful this is and look how bad God was or this death angel was. But this was a foreshadowing of what the lamb that was to come would do for them. And it is so important. Go back to verse 5, if you will. Who's back there, Bobby? Go back to verse 5. And your lamb shall be an unblemished male of, of, of a year old. And you may take it from either the sheep or the goats. Do you know why it's so important that they threw that in? Because what that does is covers all of humanity. See, in the the Jewish custom, they had themselves and everybody else was dogs. They actually called everybody dogs. And so what Jesus, what God was doing here is he said, it can either, this lamb can either be taken from this side, which is the sheep or this side, which is the goats. And what we don't understand is the reason why he can take it from either side is because in Jesus' very own lineage, he had both Jewish and Gentile ancestry. See, this grace message, this lamb, this blood was going to cover. It didn't matter which side it came from. So what God did in Jesus' line, he made sure that both the Jewish people and the Gentile, he covered all humanity. He covered all of humanity. In Matthew chapter 1, we find that Jesus 
in his lineage had a woman named Tamara. She was a Canaanite woman. She wasn't Jewish. We see, we see a woman named Rahab. You ever heard of her? She was the harlot that was, had a house on the... See, Jesus wanted to, God wanted to make sure to take it from the sheep, take it from the goats because it didn't matter because all of humanity was going to be accepted in this. We had uh, Ruth because Ruth has her own book in the Bible. We think she's, she's Jewish. No, she wasn't from, but she was in Jesus's lineage. You know why? All these people had to come in Jesus' lineage. That's why this goat, this lamb could come from either sheep or goat. It's going to come from either one because all of humanity is going to be included. <laughs> and then we have Bathsheba. Everybody remembers Bathsheba. She, kept, she was in Jesus' direct lineage. She was married to a Hittite who wasn't Jewish. See, that's why it's so important when God says, and you can take your lamb from either the sheep or the goats, because what I'm going to do is when the blood is shed and when blood is applied and when the blood has been applied, it's going to be applied for all of humanity. And it doesn't care whether they're sheep, doesn't care whether they're goats. Mm. And he said that the whole of Congress, see, all of this is playing out. How many of you know that Jesus was crucified during Passover week? Yeah. See, this is a foreshadow. See, the old covenant just foreshadows the work of Christ. Oh, This was a foreshadow, but now from the cross, the cross has now overshadowed this. So none of this has to be done anymore. Mm. So what he did, he said, and all of congregation, see, it was important that all of Israel took place in the sacrifice because Israel stood in front of Herod, of Pilate, and cried a very particular prayer. His blood be on us and our children. What they thought they were calling for bloodlust, they were actually declaring a blessing on themselves. His blood be on us and not just us, but generations to come. You see, when we live in the shadow of the cross and we begin to partake of Passover, and please sign up this week. If we are partaking in Passover, we got to understand that cry is still there. All the congregation of Israel came and said, his blood be on us and our children. We are declaring a generational blessing that covers us. Oh, it's a generational blessing, not a generational curse. Ah. John chapter 1, verse 29. Jesus comes up to be baptized. John looks at him and declares something. He says, in the next day, he saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It is so significant that Jesus was called the lamb because he had the lamb had to die during Passover and someone had to make a declaration that Jesus is the lamb that takes away the sin of the, the sin of the world. He's taking it away. He's removing it from us. And so what we have to understand is when we walk through this world, we walk through this world with a lamb that has already taken away the sin of the world and we can walk through life free. Nah. He said, this is the lamb that was taken from the foundation. During Passover week, a lamb was killed because we live under the shadow of the cross. Psalms, now let's skip that. Second Chronicles chapter 30. Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 18. He said, and although, now we're talking about Passover. <laughs> and Hezekiah was setting up Passover because it hadn't been celebrated in so many years. And all of Israel was hurting because they hadn't celebrated Passover. I want to show you something interesting here. And, and where are we at? Second Chronicles 30, verse 18. He says, And although people from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, Zebulun, they had not purified themselves for the feast, they ate the Passover even though it was against the law. How dare they? 
<laughs> well, when you understand that the lamb is the one that takes away the sin of the world, he said they didn't, they didn't purify themselves according to the law. Oh. <laughs> so Hezekiah prayed for them while they were taking Passover. And here's what he said. He said, Lord, you're good. And you are the Lord, the God of our ancestors. Please forgive all those who try to obey. He said, look, they didn't do it right. They didn't get it right. They messed this thing up. They should have purified themselves. They should have done it. And here they are eating communion anyhow. He said, Lord, they're trying, so bless their attempts. Oh, folks, we've become too hard on people. We want everybody straightened up and we want everybody's hats on right. And we want everybody to look the good Christian part when they come in here. Oh, uh, and, and so what happens is, is what we've done is we've created a society that says if you don't look like us or until you look like us, until you sound like us, until you act like us, you're not welcome at the Passover table. <laughs> and Jesus said, he said, go into the highways and byways and talk them all into coming. He said, get them all. I don't care if they're lame. I don't care if they're hurt. I don't care if they're dirty. I don't care if they're filthy. I don't care if they can't walk right, can't talk right. They don't have it all together. He said, just bring them all. Why? So that they can partake in the feast. God's not looking to leave anybody out. Oh. He's not looking to leave anybody out. That's why he said, take it from the sheep. Take it from the goats, wherever you take it from, because I'm going to cover humanity in the Passover. And it's going to be the lamb that takes away the sin of the world and not a man that takes away the sin of the world. And so Hezekiah says, Lord, forgive them, they're trying. Man, imagine if the church would pick up that prayer for people. <laughs> Lord, just forgive them, they're trying. There's a saying where we're from, and it can mean several different things. But if you ever hear somebody look at you and say, well, bless their heart, you better figure out what context they said those, because those words in different contexts, they can mean, you're so dumb. <laughs> you're so dumb. Bless their heart. But it could also mean, I feel for them. They're hurting. God bless their heart. Imagine if the church would just start praying the way Hezekiah prayed for people. God, they're trying. So let this be their sacrifice. Let the sacrifice of Jesus, let the sacrifice of the lamb be enough. Let the sacrifice of the lamb that's taken away the sin of the world be enough. And when it's enough, it's enough. And I'm not going to try to fix them. Mm. <laughs> so you don't get a lot of claps off that. Thank you, guys. He said, Lord, please forgive all of those who try to obey even if they did not clean themselves as the rules of the temple command. See, that's what we've tried to do. We've tried to make everybody, we've given everybody a set of rules that they have to live by. And if you don't live by this exact rules, then you're not really welcome. We'll pray for you, but in the back of our mind, we're going to bless your heart. <laughs> Amen. But what Hezekiah's mindset was, Passover was for everybody. This lamb took everybody in. This lamb's blood covered everybody. Oof. I love verse 20. Look what happened at verse 20. And the Lord listened to Hezekiah's prayer. And what did God do? He healed the people. Amen. Just because Hezekiah didn't try to run them out. You all aren't clean. You didn't do it right. You didn't follow the rules so you don't get to come in. No, he said, oh, the rules are the rules. I know the rules are the rules. But God, they're trying. Bring them in and in, in honor of Hezekiah's prayer. Imagine if the church would begin to take on this attitude and understand the power of the cross that we live under the shadow of the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. And we have this type of prayer and God would honor our prayers the same way he honored Hezekiah's prayer. And then he just starts healing people's lives. Imagine when addiction's broken just because we loved them. Imagine families being restored 
just because, Lord, they're not doing it right. But man, honor them. They're trying here. <laughs> Imagine what we can change if we honestly live under the shadow of this cross, a cross that's big enough to overlook. Oh, overlook faults, overlook failures, overlook these things and say, God bless them anyhow. Ooh, mercy. See, this kind of message will hurt your religion a little bit because religion has told us to do certain things and to treat people a certain way that the Bible, it's not in the Bible. So we're going on with that. And people think, well, the Old Testament shows that. No, the Old Testament, uh, you're looking at the Old Testament without the shadow of the cross on it. <laughs> the Old Covenant really just shows what Jesus has already completed trying to go on. The Israelites had just finished up one of the biggest battles that ever had. They asked God, God, please let us end this battle. God says, destroy everything, make it clean, wipe it all out totally. And so God honored their prayer. They completely wiped out the enemy. They're on their way home and then they started to complain. Now, I know you would never do that. God gives you the greatest victory you could ever hope for. And then before you ever get back to the house, you go, hey, God. And you know what they complained about? They just won a big victory. And they said, we ain't got no food. We don't have no bread. We don't have water. And the food we do have, so that means they did have food. And the food we did have, we don't like. <laughs> Sounds like my kids. <laughs> There's nothing to eat. <laughs> I've got a roof over my head and I don't pay my own bills. But I have nothing to eat. And that's what happened. They got the biggest victory they could ever get. And now they're facing, they're complaining. And so what happens is a bunch of snakes come out and starts biting people. You say, now what in the world does this have to do with Jesus? We'll get there. Numbers chapter uh, 21. Numbers 21. Verse 7. He said, the people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we grumbled against you and the Lord. Why? Because all these snakes came out. All the snakes started biting people. Do you know this scripture is actually where the medical uh, community gets their symbol with the snake wrapped around the staff? It's from this scripture. Look what happens here. He said, we sinned and grumbled. Pray the Lord will take away these snakes. So Moses prayed for the people and the Lord said to Moses, make a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And anyone who is bitten looks at it will live. And so Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when the snake bit anyone, the person that looked on the bronze snake lived. So here we see they come out and all these people around them are dying, but the only thing they had to do, this is how hard it is, this is how hard it was. All they had to do with Joanne was turn and look at that serpent. And when they turned and looked at that serpent, they were healed. We've made living for Jesus a whole lot harder than that. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do, 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 don't, 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 don't. When he says all they have to do is turn their eyes in the right direction. It's so easy. Yeah, but you got to, who says you got to? He says those, oh goodness. Healing came when they just put their eyes in the right direction. Amen. Their salvation came when all they do was turn their eyes from the thing that was hurting them to the thing that healed them. We've made salvation about so much other stuff and all it is, is quit looking at the thing that is hurting you and turn your eyes to the one that has already healed you. That's all, that lamb that has already taken away the sin in the world. Turn your eyes to put to Jesus. Ah. You see, see, this was a foreshadow of Jesus. He put on a cross. They put him on, a, they put the serpent on a pole so that anyone who averted their gaze. Hmm. Oh, it's just, see, 
If you read the old covenant under the shadow of the cross, you just see Jesus. You don't see nothing else. It's just about him. John chapter three. Everybody thinks I'm going to 16. I'm not. I'm going to 14. It'd have been too easy on you if I said John 3.16. Sandy would have got off easy. Shouldn't have looked at me. John chapter 3, verse 14. As Mo- this is Jesus talking. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, so the Son of Man be lifted up. Well, what happened when the serpent was lifted in the wilderness? Anyone who quit looking at the thing that was hurting them and looked at the thing that saved them was automatically delivered, was automatically healed. And Jesus says, I'm going up on a tree, up on a pole, just like that serpent, so that anyone who decides to just quit looking at the thing that's hurting you and put your eyes over on me, no rules, no regulations, no do's, no don'ts. Oh, come on. No haircut limitations. No earring limitations. No tattoo limitations. Thank God, right, Bill? <laughs> Bill's like, <laughs> there's no limitations. All you have to do, Jesus saying, just like Moses, all they have to do is quit looking at the thing that's hurting them because salvation has already happened over here. And it's that easy. And when we decide that we're going to start evangelizing the right way, we're just going to tell them that, behold, the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. You're free, but you've got to stop looking at the thing that's hurting you and just, here's how hard it is. It's just a turning of the head. Oh, glory. He said, as Moses has lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Now I want to look at a big no-no in the church world today. And it's the law. Nobody likes the law. We're driving down the road, somebody says, it's the law. We get nervous. We get shaky. Folks, you do realize that the old covenant actually has two laws in it. It has God's law and it has Moses' law. Those two things are totally separate. They're totally different. So we've tried to lump them all into the same. The only law that we have that God writ, writ, yeah, that would work, that God writ, Moses came down from the mountain with. That's all. That was the total. All the other 613 laws was a result of Moses trying to fix the behaviors of a bunch of people who just wanted to keep looking at the thing that was hurting them. It's even called the law of Moses. And, 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 and here's the thing, that law of Moses was culturally specific to the Jewish people. <laughs> the law of Moses was written in a book. God's law was written on tablets of stone. When it comes down to the Ark of the Covenant, they didn't put Moses' law inside the Ark because it wasn't holy. It was rules and regulations given by a man. I'm gonna prove it to you in a minute. There was a compartment built on the, on the Ark of the Covenant that he put his law on the side of. And they took the commandments from God, those tablets that Moses came off the mountain with, those went inside the Ark where the presence of God was. See, the presence of God didn't cover all man's made, man-made rules and regulations. God, oh, come on. See, we've been, looking at the, we've been looking at the old covenant completely wrong. When you look at it under the shadow of the cross, you can begin to differentiate these things and realize that the old covenant is good. See, what, what, what Moses' law did, it added sin to people. If you don't believe me, go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, not right now. Moses' law added sin to people. And the only thing that would take it away was them to get into the tabernacle, but all the rules and regulations that added on was keeping people out from the place that they needed to be. But God's law, it just pointed out sin, but it pointed to the right direction. Moses' law actually works against us. It worked against mankind. It wasn't for mankind. God's law is for mankind. 
Moses' law was based off of carnal and flesh. Well, come on. Moses was trying to lead millions of people who were stubborn and rebellious. So he just kept writing them laws. And if they would have just lived by what God gave in the beginning, that satisfies all of what God handles. <laughs> Moses' law made nothing perfect. God's law is completely perfect. 613 things that are so strong that they, they told the Jewish people. See, here's where people start getting nervous. So, well, you're preaching to totally throw all those laws out. Didn't say any of that. I'm gonna show you why I don't have to worry about throwing the law out. <laughs> Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verse 15. I'm almost done. We're, see there, wheels have dropped. We're coming in. Deuteronomy chapter 28. But if you won't listen to the voice of the eternal, your God, listen, if you don't carefully obey the commands and regulations I'm giving you today. Deuteronomy 28.1 says, and this is the rules that Moses gave. That's very important there. I'm, he said, I'm giving you today. This was man declaring himself. Oh, come on. Then all your, you'll experiences, all of, you'll, ex let me try that again. Then you'll experience all of the following curses. In fact, they'll come after you. That doesn't sound like good news at all. You'll be cursed in the city and cursed in the fields. Your baskets will be cursed. Your harvest will be small. Your kneading bowl will be cursed. And you'll always be short on food. This doesn't sound like good news. Why? Because when we're trying to live out a command of rules and regulations that always keep us out of God's presence, this is when you experience shortage. Not in God's presence. Oh, glory. He said, your children and your crops will be cursed. Your herds will, will dwindle. Your flocks will shrink and you'll be cursed. Then you'll return home and cursed when you go out from your home. In other words, anything that we did trying to live under a man's made regulations, anything we did was always cursed. Thank God we don't have to live under that because we live under the shadow of the cross. Why is this important? Galatians chapter three. Mm, getting closer. Galatians chapter three, verse 10. But if you rely on works of keeping the law for salvation, then you will live under the law's curse. So what's it tell you? This, is, this has never been, ever been about how you decide that you're gonna to try to live by setting a set of rules and regulations. Does that mean we just do anything we want to do? Didn't say that either. Because if you listen to God's law, you'll, you'll know not to do anything you wanna do. Right? He says, but if you're gonna rely on the works to keep the law of salvation, you're gonna live under the law's curse. For it is clearly written, utterly cursed is everyone who fails to practice every detail in requirement that is written in the law. So what Moses did, he gave him 613 rules to live by. And if you were guilty of one, he called you guilty of others, of all of it. So if you broke one, one 613 rule, and whatever curse came with that one you broke, you not only get that curse, but you get 613 curses with it. That's what man's laws do. Man's laws will constantly try to contractually bind you into obeying them without the freedom of obeying freedom. Oh, for the word says, for freedom, he set us free. So all we have to do is really obey freedom, okay. Is this all right? All right. It's obvious no one achieves righteousness of God by attempting to keep the law. So all those 613, that's why the Passover came. 
This is why the, the snake was written. For it is written, the one who is in right relationship with God will live by faith. Verse 12. But keeping the law does not require faith, but it is self-effort. 613 times was all about how Jeff behaved. And Jeff could ensure himself good with God forever as long as Jeff could behave right. But if Jeff doesn't behave right, then Jeff is doomed because all these other curses. Well, guess what Jesus did? Oh. He says if you practice the principles of law, then you must follow them all. Here we go. Here's the good news. You ready? Verse 13. Yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. So now, when we look at the old covenant, well, there's all these curses and I'm not gonna live by the old covenant because there's nothing but curses there. You got to live. We're living under the shadow of the cross and under the shadow of the cross, all the curses have been removed and there's nothing left in this old covenant but the blessings of God because Jesus was enough. Hmm. He absorbed the curse completely and became a curse in our place. For it is written, everyone who is hung upon the tree is cursed. So what Jesus do? Jeff, you can't do it. All of Moses' law, you can't do it. Because Moses laid all this stuff on you, now you can't do it. So here's what I'm going to do. I am going to become man. I am going to become the man. And when I become the man, I am going to the tree as the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. I'm going to the tree as the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. I'm going as a tree because when anyone that's hung up on the tree is cursed and I absorb all the curse for you and that leaves only the blessing. Oh, <laughs> he said he absorbed the curse completely in our place. For it is written, everyone's hung up on the cross or hung on the tree is cursed. Verse 14. I'm telling you, you'll start reading the Old Testament again when you understand it this way. <laughs> that the curse is gone. Amen. Man, that makes me happy. Yeah. And Jesus Christ dissolved the curse from our lives. So that in him, not in myself, not in Jeff, not in anything you could ever do right, because you can't do it right, man. But in him. So you don't have to do it right, because he did it right. And he did it without sin. So he was an unblemished lamb that went as a sacrifice who had both Jewish blood and Gentile blood in his body. He covered, that blood covered their thing for the whole world so that when he went to the tree, anyone who would decide to turn from the thing that's hurting them and turn to the thing that's... And now we live our life in a place of freedom because the curse is gone. Amen. Oh, glory. He said, and Jesus dissolved the curse from our lives so that in him all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon the Gentiles. You say, well, why is that important? Because Abraham's blessings was before the law ever was written. What Jesus did, he said, I'm gonna take you back way past the law. And now in the shadow of the cross, you don't live under a law. I've taken you way back. Before, Abraham was 400 years before the law was ever written. He said, I'm taking you way back. And now the only thing that you walk through since the curse is gone is you walk in blessing. You walk in the blessing of God. You walk in the favor of God. You walk in the glory of God because you are, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Amen. And now through faith, we receive the promise of the Holy Spirit who lives in us last. Yeah, let's go, Matthew. Can you give me a few more minutes? I'm almost there. I was farther back than I thought it was. Matthew chapter five, look what Jesus says. Do not think that I came to do away with or undo the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, 
but to fulfill. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to completely eradicate the law because the law is now done because a man has satisfied all of its desires, of all of its requirements, was all wrapped up in one man. And in that one man, we now have all freedom. Verse 18, for I assure you that most solemnly I say to you until heaven and earth passes away, not the smallest letter or stroke of the pen will pass from the law until all of these, which what does all the law do? Foreshadows are accomplished. The law was just a foreshadow of Christ. Now we have the cross. It overshadows the law. Ooh. I'm going to leave you with this last set of scriptures. Since Jesus did away with the curse, that leaves only blessing. Mm. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Verse 1. And if you listen closely to the voice of the eternal, your God, and carefully obey all of his commands I'm giving you today, he'll lift you up on a high. He'll lift you, he'll lift you up high above every other nation on the earth. So here we go. Jesus fulfilled all of it for us. He was the person who was supposed to do that. If you listen closely to the voice of the eternal and carefully obey all the commands, Ron, you couldn't do it. Mark, you couldn't do it. Phyllis, you couldn't do it either. I couldn't do it. So Jesus came as humanity and he obeyed every command. Now, this is all that's left. All of the following blessings will be, blessings will be yours. In fact, they'll chase after you. Some of you better start looking over your shoulder. You're being chased. What are you being chased with? Oh. <laughs> They'll chase after you. Verse three, you'll be blessed in the city and you'll be blessed in the field. No matter where you go, blessings are chasing you down. This is the shadow of the cross. You'll be blessed with children, with crops, and with cattle. Your herds will multiply. Your flocks will increase. Your basket, that's just where you keep your stuff. You know that big black thing beside you, Missy? Some of you carry it in your back pocket. Your basket will be blessed. It will be full at harvest time. And your kneading bowl will be blessed. And you'll always have plenty of bread. You see, under the shadow of the cross, this is all you're left with. When Jesus fulfilled everything else, he just left, he took out the bad and left us with a good recipe. Mm. You'll be blessed when you go out of your home and blessed when you return to your home. When your enemies attack you, the eternal will defeat them for you. You don't even have to fight anymore. <laughs> Some of you get that, you'll get free. They'll come against you from one direction, but scatter and flee chaotically from you in seven different directions. You'll be blessed in your barns, blessed with full of, full of grain. He'll bless everything you do. You'll be blessed throughout the land he is giving you. The eternal will make you a nation that belongs to him in a special way. And he promised as he, as he promised he would. And yet if you'll obey his commands, well, thank God Jesus did all that. He just left me with the other. Every, verse 10, every other nation on earth will see the eternal has called you by his own name so that they'll be in awe of you. The eternal will give you more than enough of every good thing. Oh. Children, cattle, and crops. You'll live on the ground he promised your ancestors. In other words, things that weren't even promised to you things that were promised to your ancestors, you're in line to receive because of the shadow of the cross has now overshadowed the curse of the law. Amen. Amen. Hmm. He'll open up <laughs> reservoirs of water in the sky and make the rainy season come each year that everything you do will be blessed. 
I'll tell you what, you ought to leave here with a smile on your face today. The power of the cross. Oh, glory. Your produce will be abundant, will be so abundant that you'll lend to many nations, but you won't have to borrow from any. Now, if we really started living under the shadow of the cross, you're going to start looking to give stuff away because you just don't have enough places to put it. That's the shadow of the cross. Uh, He'll make you the head and not the tail. You'll always be on top and never on the bottom. And if you'll just listen to the commands I'm giving you today from the eternal your God and obey them carefully, thank God Jesus did that for me. All these blessings will be yours if you don't deviate to the right or to the left. What Jesus did and while we live under the shadow of the cross is everything that he knew mankind would never be able to do among himself. And all the rules that mankind have placed on himself. That's what Moses' law was. All the rules that mankind placed on himself. Jesus says, I'll absorb your curse. I'll leave you with the blessings and you'll walk in the glory that I have called you to. This is the shadow of the cross. It's the abundant power that overshadows everything else. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. God, I pray that I've been able to do this the way you want it, that we grab it, we grasp it, and we understand that the shadow of the cross is only blessing. And that when we look at the old covenant, we don't look at it as something to be avoided, but now we look at it as something to be enjoyed because you're there. And you've already done the work and we just walk in the blessing. Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name.